Hello, I'm James Valentine. This is my podcast, Headroom. I do a talkback show on live radio every day, but whereas most talkback radio is about collecting opinion and hearing people's response to politics and the issues of the day, I like getting people to tell their stories. And we all have stories. You just have to prompt people in the right way. For example, ask everyone to phone in with stories about the worst wedding they've ever been to. Everyone's been to one and the stories are great. This time, I was asking people to tell me the insane, irresponsible, just plain dumb thing they did as a youth, as a young adult. We've done crazy things that you do as a kid, which often involves leaping off things or staging mock battles against local kids with air rifles. True story. But this time, I wanted more the tales of things people did when they were about 22, say, early adulthood. Those first trips around the world, those first big weekends away, the first legal and sustained use of alcohol and assorted intoxicants that often led to crazy behaviour. My own stories pretty much all involve attempts to obtain or use assorted intoxicants and lack a certain amusing quality, although the time I visited a dealer's house to obtain aforementioned intoxicants and upon arrival inquired as to why there was a marquee in the backyard and what party they were setting up for, to be told that the dealer was being sentenced on Monday and would probably get 12 months. That's funny, isn't it? I, I became very keen to get out of there as quickly as possible, but of course... Not without the intoxicants. Anyway, enough of my idiot past because we've got so many other idiots to meet. My youthful bravery was when I was about uh, 20 years old, back in the 70s, before hang gliding was a thing in Australia. I saw a, um, a documentary about it. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to really fly just yourself with your own set of wings? Well, Dave Kilborn knows. In a matter of minutes, he can set up his kite and be ready to go. Even his wife Donna has taken up flying. Dave was the first person ever to run off a mountain in a giant delta wing kite. And because he proved that it could be done, there are now thousands of flyers just like him. And I thought, that looks like fun. <laughs> and I got someone to make me a hang glider. <laughs> I thought the trick is to jump off somewhere really high so that I've got plenty of time to learn to fly before I get to the ground. What did you jump off? uh, Stanwall tops. (laughs) And I had a a plan to land on the beach. Uh, And so so no one's giving you a hang gliding lesson? There were no hang gliding lessons. This was 1974. And when you say you got someone to make you a hang glider, to what specifications? a sailmaker, so he was used to aluminium tubing and that right. sort of sail fabric and things like that. <laughs> and uh, I, I was wearing all my safety gear, that short songs. Yep. Uh, no, no concept of helmets or anything. Well, you're like going that. to the beach. That's right, except <laughs> from about a thousand feet up. Hang Glider Man was soon followed up by beginner yachtsmen, and many have sailed small craft across the vast seas, but usually they've had some experience. I think I was about 22, 23. Myself and two friends uh, living in London at the time decided we were going to sail to Cape Town, South Africa via Brazil. Okay. How much sailing had you done? None. None. It's only 34-foot Warren catamaran, which is basically two canoes and some slatted decking in between. Okay. And you're going across, that's the Atlantic, isn't it? Yeah, across the North Atlantic, then you cross the South Atlantic, the Southern Ocean to Cape Town, yeah, from Brazil. I had to 
start and learn how to navigate using a sextant out of a book. That was my next question. How experienced with your know, navigation? Yeah. Yeah, well, I had a book on astral navigation and studied that for about six months. And oh, yeah. Read it back to front. And okay. Practiced it as we went. Mm. And so you obviously survived, but did you complete yeah. the journey? We did. Yeah. Wow. How amazing. Did any life threatening circumstance in the Atlantic during this? Many. Many. <laughs> Storm? Many. Big ships? Many. Uh, you know, your whale going to overturn you? Uh, no, not so much that. It was a Russian spy ship, I think, came around upon us in South Atlantic and New Zealand. Um, okay. Yeah, no, we knew how to sail by the end of it and navigate, that's for sure. Various theories abound. Common is the notion that young men indulge in risk-taking and crazy behaviour as it makes them seem bold and powerful to females they'd like to attract. The fact that they mightn't survive to have much to do with those females doesn't seem to occur to them, which is another theory. It doesn't actually occur to them. The notion of risk, fear, weighing the consequences is absent from a lot of young people because, yes, it wasn't just men. Well, I went canal surfing. Canal surfing? What is canal yes. surfing? Well, down at Griffiths, there's all the irrigation canals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they have the outlets and they come out in a big arc and then they go into a canal and they go off to the next spot. So what you did was you opened the sluice and a big jet of water would rush out and you had to jump onto that jet of water, but you had to lie down flat because there was a breach. Just there. Oh, yes, yeah, so you got to get under the bridge. Yes, under the bridge. Right, and right. And then, once you pass that, you have to stand up, and the canal was mossy, and you had to balance all the way up to a whirlpool. And um, this was Griffith, and it was the wine festival weekend, mm. so there was a lot of extra alcohol on board. Mm-hmm. Both so that, and so I came back, and I'd misjudged my balance faculties mm. and I smashed into the side of the canal and slid down and I, I had grazes from my forehead to my toes. Ow. Oh. Ow. Oh. Yes. And, but then you How old were up. you, Judy, doing this? Oh, 25. 25. And is this on a surfboard or like a boogie board? No, on your feet. On your sand shoes. Oh, on your feet? Yes. Oh, there's no implement? Oh, no. No. Oh, it's a body surfing <laughs> thing. <laughs> Right. It's an upright body surf. And then you get to the whirlpool mm-hmm. and you had to swim to the edge quickly so that you could get out and do it all over again. Wow. About 200 metres away. And so we had someone with the ute and we all sat on the back of the ute and he drove us up to do it all again. How, are, and how many of you? Oh, about six. About six. But a common, yeah, the locals said, oh, come on, we'll go canal surfing. They yeah. knew what was going on. Yeah, they knew. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. That's fantastic. But, Judy, yep. Judy, can I, you know, thank you so much for calling in because at, at this point, you know, from Friday and until this moment, I was starting to think it was blokes that did this. Oh, but no. no, no, girls as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> when you think back, you can't imagine the mental state. You can't imagine how you let yourself do it. How did you have the confidence, the ignorance, the feeling of invincibility? There was a cliff, there was a beach, and a push bike. And I had enough people willing to um, pay me to ride the push bike off the cliff. Cliff was where? At Bronte. 
Bronte Cliff, okay. Yeah. It's only, only about five metres or so. Right. And is this the Bronte Cliff above the, sort of on the opposite of the pool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oppos- the, opposite side the, from the pool? The northern end, yeah, and depending yeah. on the tide, I suppose. Oh, but, yeah, northern yeah. tide. So you're coming yeah. off the path on the bike? And well, no, then- there's no, no path. I think that was part of the problem, actually, because mm-hmm. it was trying to ride it off the rock ledge at the top. Yeah. Down into the mixing bowl there, and yeah. anyone from Bronte will know what I'm talking about. Mm. But, uh, no, it's only about five metres. Yeah. But, the only problem with that is I never saw the push bike again. And were you hoping to land in the water or on the sand? No, no, in the water. Oh, in the water, okay. okay. Yeah, so you, you landed party. in the water, but then that was it? That was it. And yeah. it wasn't that deep. It just mysteriously disappeared. Right. We spent the rest of the day there trying to find it. We've all got a lift we shouldn't. I hitchhiked once. Only once. I was picked up by a guy driving an old Holden station wagon. I got in as we took off, the glove box fell open, and inside was like a kilo of marijuana. I kind of looked across at him as he leaned over and shut the glove box, and in the corner of my eye I caught sight of about three or four guns in the back tray of the station wagon. Rifles, a shotgun maybe. He said, where are you going? I said, the next town, 10k up the road. Got out, went to the train station. End of hitchhiking. Prue's version is much milder, but it's typical. Actually, it's a bit embarrassed now when I think about it because I shudder to think that um, anyone, that my mum's even listening to this actually, but um, I was in France and I was in Biarritz backpacking and I'd taken the day to go over the border into Spain and I'd missed the train coming back and the next train didn't come until after midnight so I was sitting in this little bar at the train station and there were all of these older gentlemen at the other end of the bar drinking the Beaujolais that had just been released Mm. and um, we sat there and they they were shooting the the Beaujolais down the bar towards me and um, I was you know communicating with them in my incredibly poor broken French and after sitting there for several hours one of them stood up an older man and he he in my, we managed to communicate that he would drive me back over the border to france mm-hmm. in his taxi he was a taxi driver mm-hmm. after many many glasses of both mm-hmm. way so i got in the car and he drove me back to my hostel <laughs> And I'm really embarrassed about it today, and I really hope my mum's not listening to this. Let's go back to the really stupid stuff. We lived in a, on a farm on a cliff, and below us was a river which flooded on fairly regular occasions. Mm-hmm. But we had a canoe, and one day it was flooding very fully, trees flying by, dead cows flying along the river, all that, the whole story. So um, the four, four of us, uh, my husband, myself, and a couple of friends, one of whom was pregnant, mm. decided we'd canoe down the flooding river. Oh. Went down, put our Canadian canoe in yep. and set off among all the debris, mm. of going at the rate of knots. It was so fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was really <laughs> exciting. And we got three miles, it was those days, mm. three miles before we just, you know, touched a tree mm. and the canoe went over. We all ended up in the drink, uh, pregnant lady and all, and uh, we swam to the, to the uh, edge. And the man who was fishing there said laconically, oh, I saw five cushions go past, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but we made it. We survived. We got th- I can't imagine, looking back, how, why we didn't drown. How experienced a canoe operator were you? We, we were pretty – we'd done a lot of canoeing up and down that bit of river. Right. But it's a Canadian clue, canoe. They're not that stable. Mm. And, um, and it was it – was, 
lethally fast mm. at that time, that river. And how are you going to get back? I mean, you'll get, if, oh, wow. once you're three miles down the river, it's at least walking back, isn't it? What, <laughs> yeah, what was the what intention? We did. <laughs> no, we didn't. James, we weren't thinking. You weren't thinking. Was alcohol or other intoxicants uh, involved, Maggie? Bit, bit of both. Bit yeah, of both. Bit of both. Yeah. In yeah. those days, yep. Yeah. Yep. It was, uh, was tremendous fun. <laughs> it was a great memory of having survived it. <laughs> this one is common. It's a Sydney version, but wherever you are, the temptation to climb or break into a major piece of infrastructure is overwhelming. Yeah, back in the day when you didn't get locked up for this, uh, a friend of mine is assured me that you could climb the Harbour Bridge mm. before they charged you hundreds of dollars yep. and it was an organised tour. Yep. So back in the day, you'd get down to the bottom wherever it touched on either side and you got that little bit of sandstone right where the main bolts are and you climb inside the box section. In, now, in the are you calling, are you, are you starting on the road level? Yep, the right. road level, yep. the tucks, no, sorry, the road level underneath at water level. Yep. So you're inside the box section, you're hanging on to the other sides of the rivets and you're crawling up and if you've got a torch, lucky, if you don't, you're in the dark. Mm. And about halfway up the stand, you get above the road level on the bridge itself. Yep. And you pop out there trying desperately not to be seen by the cars mm-hmm. and then climb the rest of the way on the outside of the arch, which is all really safe. Yeah. Oh, perfect. The second time we did it, a couple of girls came with us who assured us they knew how to do handstands. And on the top of the bridge, there's a section that goes from one side to the other where the flags fly. Mm. And this young girl just freaked us all out. She did this handstand wow. on this thing that must have been no more than 600, 700 millimetres wide. And, yeah, so yeah. it wasn't me. I don't do handstands and I'm not that brave, but, my mm. God, that was, yeah. That's nuts. I remember people saying that they'd climbed it from virtually the footpath, that if you could get onto the arch and you had, just had to get round the, you know, it had one of those sort of gates with the wire, with barbed wire yeah. coming off. You just had to get round that and then you were on the arch and you could uh, you could head yeah, on up. Yeah, that but, was sort of the easier but more obvious way. If right. you came right in from ground level... Um, you could stay inside the box section and be yep. completely hidden. But you yep. came out and it, it, you couldn't lie that you hadn't done it because all of the metallic sort of paint dust was all over you. Oh, it was right. on your knees, it right. was on your hands, it was on your body. So mm. it was, yeah, mm. a, a fun time before you got arrested and thrown in jail for terrorism. <laughs> sure, you could have died, but the bragging rights you know you have for all eternity are so worth it. Oh, okay, so a little bit of a story. We were sort of backpacking through Indonesia and we ended up on the west coast of Java on this little island called Sharita Beach. Mm-hmm. And off there in the very far distance, you could see this little volcano-shaped thing with a tiny little bit of puff smoke coming out of the top. We thought, hmm. I think we've got to go there. Yeah. So we managed to convince these locals to get us on a boat and take us out mm. and it's actually Krakatoa, the volcano. Oh, it's or... Krakatoa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get away! So no, no one goes there and the locals said, oh, no, we don't go there, but... Pay a little bit of money and they took us out. So is that funny? Just just before you finish the story, I mean, I'm struck by the fact that I don't think I realised Krakatoa was still there. Uh, Well, what it is, after the volcano went up in the late um, 1800s, Mm. a new one rose out of the ocean where it was. Right. So I'm actually calling a knack. Krakatoa, which is child of Krakatoa. <gasps> nice. Yeah. yeah. Right out of the centre. So there's this new volcano that's formed and come out and formed this ocean okay. out of the sea. So you're on the boat, you're getting taken over to Nap- yep. Krakatoa. Yep. So we went over there and then the locals, you know, they took us over. There's all these dolphins playing in the water. It seemed like very yeah. serene. And they dropped us off on the beach and then they go, oh, 
well, we're not, you're not staying. They go, oh, no, 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 we don't stay there. It's, like, too dangerous to boo or whatever it is. Mm. So they kind of left us there. And we thought, oh, okay, well, we did a deal. He'll probably come back if he wants the rest of his money. So, you know, in a day or so. Uh, anyway, so we thought, okay, well, let's explore. So we thought we'll walk up the side of the, the crater, which is probably about, I don't know, half a kilometre or so. And mm. as we are walking up, there's like steam coming out of the ground. And then our shoe sole started to melt a little bit. <laughs> we got just near the top of the crater. And next thing, the thing sort of starts puffing up a lot more smoke. Mm. And we thought, I'm getting a little dangerous. And then rocks start flying out. Rocks started uh, flying out. And it actually out. started just erupting. Wow. Yeah, so we kind of ran down the crater. And behind us, when you look back, it was just sort of getting on evening. Most amazing sight with all the smoke and the colour orange going up in the sky and lightning bolts through it. And we thought, OK, that's cool. So we went back down towards the beach, set up the tents uh, and kind of slept on the side of the volcano while erupting. And you get this most amazing sound through the ground. Have you ever heard ultrasound? That's it. <laughs> that, is, that is pretty good. It's... So something we kind of did in the mid-20s. Uh, and the guy actually in the boat did actually come back a day later and pick us up, which yeah. I thought was pretty awesome as that is, well. That is pretty good, isn't it? Um, the other thing we did while we were there, we uh, actually surfed off the point. So first known people in history to probably surf Krakatoa Point. That's pretty good. Because it had only been formed probably for a few months. What, uh, what year was this? Uh, this would have been 1988. 88, okay. So about 30 years ago in our mid-20s, yeah. you know. Yeah. And at any point, like, I'm getting the sense, see, now, if I was walking somewhere and the ground was steaming, steaming and my shoes were starting to melt, I would turn back at that point. I wouldn't go any further than the steaming ground, I don't think. Yeah, well, we probably had that idea, but we're very keen to see the top of the crate. So well, that's true. Pressed on a little bit, destroyed a pair of shoes in the process. I surfed Krakatoa. That's bragging rights. It's worth hearing the story of Rebecca's brother. He was in a, a cast, plaster cast for about three months. He'd broken his leg, and the day he got out of the plaster cast, his friends were going on a Oriana cruise, and he went to see them off, and uh, they dared him to stay on, and he did. <laughs> and he was um, quite intoxicated. When he sobered up, he realised what he'd done. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, he ended up befriending throughout the cruise. He thought he got caught the first night, but he actually didn't. And he befriended this uh, the captain's niece oh. and um, ended up sitting at the captain's table. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he got off at the other end thinking, because he was a bit of a daredevil, he thought, I'll jump off, you know. He was, he was actually quite calm about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, he realised that he didn't have a hope in jumping off the boat. So he. So you, what you, you mean in his mind he's going to literally jump off the boat into the water? Yeah, 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 yeah. And sort of he swim kept... ashore. And where was the cruise going? Was Sydney to somewhere? Fiji. Sydney to Fiji, Fiji. right, okay. Yeah, it was a 14-day cruise, I think. Anyway, mm. he got off as a New Zealander, uh, said he just basically got a pass out for an hour, couldn't find his passport. They let him off, um, got a photo somehow with the captain on the way out and got away with it. He couldn't believe it. He got away with it. Just to clarify, the ship was docked in Sydney. He pretends he's a New Zealander who's left his passport in his cabin and just needs a pass-out ticket to spend the afternoon in Sydney. They give him one, he leaves the ship. I would so love to have Stowaway on my CV. 
It's hilarious, so long as you survive. The combination of bravado, of excitement-seeking, a biological impulse towards risk-taking, and the ability to consume large amounts of mind and mood-altering substances means that up until perhaps our late 20s, we will take these kind of risks. It's why Formula One cars are driven by youngsters. Contact sport is played by youngsters. And even for us lesser mortals, we will boldly go into places and situations that in latter years we cannot even imagine ourselves doing. As we age, this urge diminishes. The trick, perhaps, is not to try to replicate the stunts of your youth, but find more age-appropriate adventures. No one is imperiled should you decide to raise bees in the backyard, walk the Camino or attempt stand-up comedy. It's nothing like as foolish, but it still feels great. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of Podcast. It was made by myself, by radio producer Jennifer Fleming and technical producer Matt Hiley. Wow, Matt, what you've done is just so beautiful. It's just like a sonic sculpture. Anyway, if you've enjoyed it, go give it a review, rate it, tell all your friends about it. See you next time. (laughs) 